Hello and welcome to Melody AM, the Nordic music podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Deron. And this is our seventh episode, so by now you should know that we are pretty keen on music from Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, Finland and the Faroe Islands. And how are you today, Deron? I'm well, thank you. And speaking of sevens, we must also be upfront with our audience and share the fact that this is our seventh attempt of recording this introduction because we've both fluffed this up so many times and... Chris has also adopted a New York accent out of the blue. So we've had to make adjustments for that, haven't we, Chris? Thanks for that shaming. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think it's impressive, to be honest. I'm, I'm actually quite jealous. As an actor who cannot do accents for Toffee, I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. I wouldn't be impressed by that, trust me. <laughs> I'm walking here, I'm walking here. That's really bad. Okay, how has your week been? It's been very good, thank you. It's been lovely and sunny here, but despite that, I have spent a large portion of it indoors watching the latest fourth season of Borgen. Ah, you're so lucky that you've got it already. It's not getting to the UK until June, and I'm desperate to know what happens. Although, someone has told me that Pilu Esbeck does not come back, which is very disappointing. That's true. Casper is no longer with us. I mean, he's not dead, but he's no longer in the series. Um, but everyone else pretty much is back and as wonderful as ever. I was completely hooked in the season. I thought it was a brilliant addition to the Borgen universe. And for those who are not familiar with this series, the first three seasons are on Netflix, I believe, and I would highly recommend them. Have there been any other Danish programmes that you've been a fan of over the years, Chris? Well, I did enjoy Rita, the series about a teacher. Yeah, I loved that. Um, although I think it did tail off a bit towards the end. I didn't even watch the final season. But I also loved Brune, the bridge, the classic Danish-Swedish series. Mm. Speaking of Denmark, I wanted to use this part of our episode to have a bit of a revenge, I guess, uh, on Chris, because those of you who caught up with our fourth episode will know that Chris surprised me with a Faroe Islands-themed quiz, which I did very, very badly on. So, Chris, how would you feel if I spring a Danish quiz on you for this episode? I would be delighted. I am ready. Okay. Well, I'm going to be actually nicer to you, Chris, than you were to me in episode four, because you didn't even give me a multiple choice, whereas I am going to give you options to choose from. So, are you sitting down? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. We're going to start with a really easy question. So, which of the following people was not at any time, the Danish Prime Minister. Your first choice is Helle Thorning-Smith. Your second choice is Begirde Nieborg. Your third option is Merte Frederiksen. And the fourth option is Anders Fogh Rasmussen. Okay, well, we've just talked about how I spent all weekend watching Borgen, so I know that the answer here is Begirde Nieborg who sadly has only ever been Prime Minister in the fictitious world of Borgen. Correct. Well done. OK, let's see how you do with the second question. So, which of the following is not, in fact, a Danish tradition? Cutting a groom's sock with scissors at his wedding. Your second option is attending the one-legged chicken race during midsummer. 
The third choice is if someone is single on their 25th birthday, they are dragged into the street by their friends who cover them in cinnamon. And your final choice is if someone is single and unmarried on their 30th birthday, they're dragged into the street by their friends who cover them in black pepper. So which of these is not a Danish tradition? Interesting. Well, I'm pretty sure I've heard about the socks one before, so I'm going to say that's true. Mm. As for the others, well, I've been to many Swedish midsummers, and I know there's all sorts of games, like, you know, races and things like that. So I'm, I'm going to say the chicken race thing is probably also true, and I'm assuming not involving an actual chicken where they hack one of its legs off. You never know, Chris. You never know. I'm going to go for the cinnamon. <laughs> the cinnamon one sounds very concocted Scandinavian, so I'm going to say that one. You are wrong. The one-legged chicken race is complete fiction, even though I had a lot of fun inventing it. Uh, Both the cinnamon and black pepper traditions, when people are still single on their 25th or 30th birthdays, are in fact correct. Puzzling, but correct. Um, Okay, interesting. Yeah. I did actually attend two Danish weddings in the past and found this whole moment of grabbing the groom and taking his shoes off and cutting a chunk off his sock. Quite terrifying, but yeah, you're right, that is correct. Okay, third question. Which of the following facts is true about Denmark's history in the Eurovision Song Contest? In 2012, our guest from episode one, Asbjorn, wrote a song which competed as performed by another artist in Denmark's Eurovision selection program, Melody Grand Prix. Second option, Denmark has won the Eurovision Song Contest four times. Third option, Denmark failed to qualify through the semi-finals twice in a row in 2015 and 2016. And your final option is that Ready, the band representing Denmark in the Eurovision Song Contest in 2022, consists of four members, all of whom are former concert pianists. What do you vote for? Okay, well, anyone who knows me in real life knows that I am a huge Eurovision fan. And so I was quite hopeful when you said this question. And then you gave the choices and I was like, oh, God, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to frantically remember the entries for 15 and 16 and I can't. I think Denmark have won four times. It might be three, but it might be four. Um, So I think I'm going to say that one is true that Denmark have won four times. Okay. That is wrong because they actually only won the Eurovision Song Contest three times. So the one that is true is that they failed to qualify through the semi-finals twice in a row in 2015 and 2016. Okay, well, I guess I can never show my face in front of my Eurovision-loving fans again. Fans? Friends. An insight into my ego there. Okay, so the fourth question is this. One of the following famous Danish people illustrated the Danish edition of the Lord of the Rings books in the 1970s. But which one was it? Was it Queen Margaret II? Was it the footballer Peter Schmeichel? Was it the actor Mads Mikkelsen? Or the comedian and writer Sandy Toksvig? Okay. Gosh, that's quite an interesting selection of people. And I really don't know which one to go for. I think Mads was probably a bit young in the 1970s. Uh, Maybe maybe all of them were, except for the Queen. I'm going to go for the Queen as being the 
the author here, or the illustrator here. Correct. And that appeared under a pseudonym. But you are right. She's very artistic, apparently. She's also quite a fan of cigarettes, I am told. Uh, there's lots of hilarious photos of her in various smoking positions. And from that riveting fact, onto our fifth question, which is, which of the following dishes is not a traditional Danish dish? Your first option is salamander, which is an almond rice pudding served after Christmas dinner. Second choice is frikadella, which are pork meatballs. Your third option is cold squall, a summer dessert that consists of cold buttermilk soup, biscuits and fruit. Or is it Bananburla, a savoury dumpling filled with banana? Right, okay, well, fricadella, I know that's correct. And I, I think probably the rice pudding one as well, because they eat that in Sweden. So that leaves me with the buttermilk soup and the banana dumpling. I have to say a banana dumpling sounds bloody awful. So <laughs> I'm going to credit the Danes with more taste than that and say that one, despite the wonderful name you gave it, is false. You are correct. And I did have a lot of fun inventing that though. And I have to say, if someone said to me, try this disgusting savory dumpling filled with banana, I would probably try it. You know, you should try everything in life at least once, unless it's polka dancing. Okay, sixth question. The city of Roskilde is known for three of the following four things. Which one is the odd one out? One, it hosts a well-loved music festival by the same name. Two, it is a burial place for Danish monarchs. Three, it is where the manufacturing plant for Lego is based. Or four, it has a Viking ship museum. Right, well, the, the music festival, obviously, I know that one's true. The rest is going to be a bit of guesswork here, but I've been to the big Lego store in Copenhagen and something tells me, I remember, I remember reading something about it, and I just don't think Roskilde was mentioned. So I'm going to say that the Lego one is fake. Correct. Well done. I'm doing well. I'm proud of myself here. You are doing so well. You're doing so much better than me. I'm, I'm incensed and jealous. Okay, let's see if you can get our final question right. Because it is important to get this one right. It concerns our guests on today's episode. So... What does the word efterklang in Danish mean in English? Is it a sound wave? Is it a reverberation? Is it syncopation? Or is it the smell of rain after a storm? Okay, well, I did obviously do a little bit of research for this interview. So this one I can say is reverberation. Correct. Well done. Does that mean that the only question I got wrong was the Eurovision one? Bloody hell. <laughs> wow, I don't think you would be able to show your face in Eurovision circles ever again, Chris. Nope, I'm done. It's over. Or indeed in Denmark, actually, because, you know, the Danes do love Eurovision almost as much as the Swedes. So, yeah, I think you're probably barred from entering Denmark ever again. Well, we were already suspecting that anyway, so... <laughs> uh, but that's a story for another time. So, speaking of Efterklang, we had the pleasure of speaking to its frontman, Kasper Clausen, about all kinds of Danish things, ranging from socialism to rye bread. Things went full circle for me, because the first time I ever heard Efterklang was in a cafe in Denmark eating rye bread. 
So it was really nice to then be able to discuss the product itself with the lead singer of Efterklang. So here's our interview with Casper. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Hey, Casper, and welcome to Melody AM. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me here on your program. It's a pleasure. So, Casper, next year will be the 20th anniversary of the release of Efterklang's first record, the Springer EP. And looking back to two decades ago, how do you view that period of the band's early days now? Like early days, I suppose. Um, they were... Uh... They were a time when we had just moved from um, from the city or the town where I'm sitting right now, Sønderborg. I was 18 years old and we moved to Copenhagen in 2000. And we had just gotten like a really awesome rehearsal space slash studio space in Amai. And we had bought our first equipment and started kind of experimenting with Pro Tools and synthesizers and we were like we were like a high school band before and now we came to Copenhagen we took a job in a telemarketing company me and mass and we were earning our first money and took our first bank loan and and we were we were we were getting into Einstürzen Neubauten and Moom and Sigaros and Godspeed your Black Emperor and like a lot of we got you know Radiohead made the, that album Kid A album we went to see that show in Copenhagen in 2000 so we we were like We'd gone through like a couple of years of like, you know, being super, being super inspired and mind blown by music and the big city, you know, and and so I think Springer to me uh, is really sort of a little fruit of that. It, it's an album that uh, I hear a lot of references from the music we were listening to, and I hear when I listen to those songs, I also it also reminds me of like you know all these peculiar situations like in anti-tech there is a moment when the trumpet is like being played into like this we found this like old piano and took out all the keys and everything it's just like a bare piano with the strings and thomas was blowing his trumpet into that uh construction to get the reverb of that piano a lot of all these like small memories of those of the of that studio specifically and and just like being very excited about making music some rose tinted glasses, but it sounds pretty amazing. I love that story about the piano and the, the trumpet blowing into it. Yes. You've recently gone back to touring after the imposed hiatus of the pandemic. And as a band whose relationship with its audience is so well embedded in live performance, what's it been like for you to get back on the road? Oh, yeah, like a relief, I think is the word. Uh, I feel it's been... A couple of very difficult years for performance art and I mean for Efterklang I think we were very lucky in the midst of it all because of several reasons but we ha we, we managed to kind of finish our previous album that came out in 19 to get to play a few shows here and there and I think that that it, what it really gave to me was a was that was a huge appreciation that I that I don't think I really appreciated the same way before for that performance space just the this uh, this thing, as you're saying, like I think it's a big part of Efterklang. It's a big part of what I appreciate, uh, at least in where I am at the moment in my career or what we're doing. I think this is really like it. It's a very, it's a very wonderful space to be able to play in front of people in the same room and to, 
you know, that's just something really crucial uh, about music making. So yeah, I've been I've been really missing that. <laughs> You've played some incredible venues around the world, including the Barbican here in London and the amazing Concert Huset in Copenhagen. What would you say has been your favorite venue to play live in? And is there a place that you haven't played yet that you'd like to? Uh, yeah, plenty of places I would love to play. Uh, <laughs> if I'd reverse the question, I think it would be lovely to play, uh, I don't know, in the ESA or NASA or something like that. I think it would be nice to play in the middle of a forest with a generator. I think it would be quite cool to play in something like Tate because I love that building and every time I've been to London it always feels like that's a place that always draws me in or like gives me a little bit of a an insight on London or so you know you have these places and cities where I just you know where I'm you know I find these places and I I'm just like every time I go there and I have the chance to go there Tate is for sure one of those places so if I could play there a show one day it would be a huge privilege um I think of the places that we have played the the one that really, s or a couple that stands out to me was the Met Museum in New York, um, where we were kind of playing the Pyramida record in this auditorium they have by the end of the Egyptian section of the, of the museum, which was just so fitting for an album called Pyramida. Uh, so, uh, so there was something about people arriving through this Egyptian setting and then coming into the show sitting down in the auditorium and then and then seeing us playing with an orchestra there that really was uh, quite spectacular in in new york you know so so yeah I remember and all the ones you mentioned obviously barbican we had so many amazing shows i mean barbican feels a bit like coming home i think we, it, we've been there like four or five times and when you mention them like that i feel like a privileged bastard i feel like we've had so many amazing fantastic moments in in the last many years <laughs> you played the sydney opera house as well that's true. That's true. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that one was also on the tip of my tongue because it's, uh, it's also, I mean, it's designed or it's made by the Danish architect uh, Utsun. So uh, we had also really amazing time there. Not when we played there, but a couple of years later, I went to Sydney for another project and, and a friend of mine was explaining all about that building. And it was just such a an amazing fairy tale of how that that house came about and uh, you know it's a house we've heard about so much and being able to go to work in a house like that you know with an orchestra we played with an orchestra we could walk you know at the docks in sydney you know from our hotel and then take a stroll in the sun down to walk into the sydney opera house take our coffee in the machine and then walk down into this beautiful hall and rehearse with the with the sydney opera with the sydney symphony i mean yeah that was uh, pretty epic too. <laughs> I've read that Denmark has some of the most generous parental leave and childcare support schemes in the world and Indeed, your band member and friend Mads uh, has just had a baby daughter, so he had paternity leave during your most recent live shows. How is the experience of touring without him for the rest of you? We yeah, it's very true. We it's the kind of first time which we've tried uh, a couple of shows with Lima, our other band, when Rasmus sort of he needed more time with the family, and and we we kind of 
were able to flex that up. And with us, with Mass, we the baby was growing. We knew that uh, we were planning this uh, ahead of time, and and we found a, a way to turn it into something exciting and new. That you know he would kind of join us on a computer basically with some of his tracks and so he would be there as a sort of ghost you know we made it into something exciting i think that was really how i, I remember we we managed to to get by the whole new situation without feeling it like it was a loss or something like that but just more feeling like okay this is just a different way of playing an afterclang show and uh, and in fact uh, mass is joining us tomorrow for the for the first time in in half a year it's also very exciting uh, to sort of like you know for him also and for us to have had this little time apart uh, I, I feel it's from what i've seen until now and learned and experienced i feel it's still like a it's a gift somehow because it shakes up the thing a little bit and it makes maybe it allows us to see things a little bit different and also for mess to you know being able to spend time with his baby i think like you know it's just a really crucial moment yeah and chris in in sweden there is that famous now concept of the latte papa and that's one of the joys of uh, living in the Nordics is that if you do have a child, the, the father gets leave as well. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's more equal, I suppose. Also, I think at least that's what they're working for here in Denmark. I'm not sure if it's exactly all the way yet, but I think that's at least the direction things should go, that there's an equal amount of time between the father and the mother and, and so on, so that these things can be, be way more shared. Exactly. I mean, I don't have one myself, but I'm fully aware of how long people get off work. It's amazing. It's very tempting. Is there an equivalent in Denmark? <laughs> I love that word, though. Uh, <laughs> the latter, the latter, the latter. Uh, I, I am absolutely sure. I think Swedes and Danes are very similar in that way. So there is absolutely a lot of dads drinking lattes, uh, strolling there, just taking the, <laughs> taking, taking the baby down the, down the street, that's for sure. And people are discussing what kind of coffee cup holder they should buy for their stroller and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure this also exists in Denmark. But I will, I will ask my, uh, my, my, uh, my friends if, if, if there is actually a word for it. <laughs> At the moment, you are doing some shows with choir in your hometown, but you also involve fans as part of an onstage audience as a choir when you do your shows. Can you tell us about how that works in practice? For example, on the last uh, North American tour, what we did was uh, we would write on our social medias and, and newsletters and so on, try to spread the word that we were uh, searching for some local choir members. And um, that sort of resulted in in, in like... A lot of people getting back to us that wanted to sing along and uh, and basically in every town we came to there would be a, a small choir of, of people uh, joining us and we would send them uh, a few songs uh, recorded before plus some uh, some words mainly words we didn't we didn't go so deep into like uh, you know written music or something like that but it's it, it's supposed to be more of a public choir uh, uh, less about the pristine voices and and so on and more about the the vibing of singing together so so also we chose of course a few songs where it's where we, we are allowed to to not be so precise and so on where it's more about like the vibe of of singing together and then so we would invite them for the for the for the sound check they would come in there would be like a choir leader in each town so usually the first person that gets back to us on an email we asked that person would you 
want to be responsible or the choir leader of that town and then whenever someone else wants to be part of that choir we direct them to them else it becomes like an in, a crazy logistical work so um, and so that choir leader is then responsible to uh, kind of spread all the information and tell people when to meet there and so on so they come to the rehearsal uh, the sound check when we when in the end of the sound check and we sing the the couple of songs with them usually uh, also really nice experience for us to meet someone from that town like I, I i had not at all foreseen that when we started out with this we have done it for a couple of years also in europe before the pandemic we did it and uh, and this time in north uh, north america so I, I don't know i think there's something about that thing of like you know us arriving to a venue especially playing tours where you are jumping from one town to the other easily it becomes a bit like a routine and so 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 sort of like meeting someone uh, that might have been fans of Fifth Clang music for a while or someone that is a friend of someone that have heard about it or whatever, but just to sort of like touch base with that little world is something that, that really changed touring for me, like a lot. Like it, it really, it changed from being this thing where you're just sitting in your own world on your computer and waiting till it's your turn to say one, two in a microphone <laughs> to actually engaging and being a little bit... Um, you know what's going on in this town and who are these people and so on so so that's something we i don't know if we have don't really have like a word for it but i guess we call it sometimes after choir or the clan choir or something like this i love that concept that you get to go to these cities random cities in america and meet a bunch of your fans and work with them i mean they must love it as well so that's that's really lovely yeah yeah there's something about a connection between us and them that that feels uh, really profound and you get to talk to them a little bit before and people are very, I think something we found out with Efteklang is that people are in, at least people that are, are, are fans of Efteklang or a lot of people that, that listens to our music or been following us, they also like to really collaborate with us. You actually released your debut solo album titled Better Way last year. What made you decide to make a solo record after all the time in the band? And how was it to be doing that on your own? A terrifying, uh, exciting and very long process. I felt I feel I started that solo album when I moved to Lisbon and that's back in 2016. And I put it out last year in the beginning of the year. So that's been like a five years process. And uh, I think for me, that was... I think anyone who has been making, I think anyone that, that have been in a, in a band for a long time should make a solo album. I feel at least that's what I came up with on the other side of it. It's, it's, it's really like therapy in a way. It's, um, it makes it, you learn to appreciate your bandmates. Yes, you got it. You totally got it. Yeah, it makes you learn to appreciate the social spaces and, and collaborations with other people. Where I usually shine quite well is that I, I have a, an ability to be quite spontaneous and free in a moment so I sort of really early on decided that I don't want to break my own neck or beat myself up for making something like super thoroughly made and well thought out thing I just want to have fun with making music and that meant for me to hook up some synthesizers put on some drum machines go on YouTube and sample some random 
you know, pet videos or people talking or some some stupid something and then, you know, put it on the sampler, make pitch it a bit up and down, do uh, some things that I just had fun with. And then I decided every time I would go to that studio in Lisbon, I would come back after that day with a with a song or like a, a, an idea of a song. Uh, and then so I so I easily started making a lot of different sketches and, and out of all these sketches, I decided these and these uh, were the ones that I wanted to, you know, finalize. And then I started writing text and so on. And that, that text process was way, is also where I'm usually meeting myself the most. And the most difficult for me is to put words on things. When Better Way came out, it was very critically acclaimed, uh, so much so that it was voted the album of the week on Stereo Gum. But at the same time, the reviewer there also spent significant chunks of the review comparing you to Bono from U2. What did you make of that? I found it funny. I mean, I, I've, I, as a singer, I don't know if I'm the only one, but uh, I, I feel I have to hear a, a lot of it's. It's a, there's a lot of comparison with voices, which I took me a, like a long time of my twenties to get used to. Uh, I'm not like that. I don't sound like you know or whatever. Now, you know. I think that's just like what voices does. They remind sometimes people of something else. And, and, and if you, if I listen to Bono in the eighties or in the nineties, even I, I, I totally take it as a compliment. I think he has a, he used to have a really beautiful voice. If I'm hope I'm saying this in a, in a friendly way, I think of course also with AIDS and so on voices changes. Uh, so I hope I sound, if he, if, if I hope what he's talking about is, is Bono in the eighties, let's say it that way. <laughs> that would make me that would make me happy, but I mean I I hear also sometimes uh, the other day someone would say I sound like Chris Martin or, you know, uh, back in the days it would be Tom York like a lot of people that would do indie music would be sound like like him or then it's maybe Bonnie Vare or it's there's there's a lot of references like that Bono I think is definitely uh, is definitely not one of the worst ones I've heard so I I, I can I can appreciate it. <laughs> and I think he meant it very much as a compliment. If I understood the review correctly, the nub of it was that you sounded very reminiscent of Bono, but what the music that you were making was still relevant and still exciting. And he was lamenting the fact that you two haven't made a record that he'd been excited about for quite a long time. Yeah, there you go. That's that warmed my heart. <laughs> In the age of streaming, it's become harder and harder for artists to make a living out of music sales per se. Efterklang have a rather brilliant collection of merchandise, and without sounding crass uh, by talking about money, how reliant do you think musicians are nowadays on ancillary income from stuff like merchandising and tour tickets? Merchandise is... Uh... For sure, uh, if you're a touring artist, uh, that 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 can be a significant um, upscale of your of your income on a tour. Uh, especially if you're bringing, say, like technicians or other musicians, like we are bringing around. Uh, we we do have a lot of expenses, and so many times the the things that the three of us in the band can earn money on from tour is is from merchandise. So that's one thing that for sure is still i think for most bands a really relevant thing and also sometimes it's a bit underappreciated for bands to have like a dedicated merch seller or someone that really 
puts a nice shop up and are good at like selling things and stuff like it can really mean a lot like on the on the on the figures by the end of the tour we're just trying different things also with this sock society we just started on patreon you know to try and both like figure out who are the fans out there the fans have also different kind of wallets different kind of needs but i think what brings them together is that they're kind of curious and they about what we do but they're also many times i think just really willing to support because there's something they believe in or, or the music that we made had a significance in their life somehow and i absolutely love the idea of the efterklang sock society and for, for those listeners who are not familiar with the concept basically as you mentioned casper there's a patreon uh, page whereby you can become a subscriber to the efterklang sock society and some of the sock designs are incredible, including uh, socks that are inspired by artwork from your albums. Who, who came up with that idea? That is a very classic Rasmus idea, I would say. Uh, <laughs> he, had a, he, has a, he has a few of those. Um, uh, in Danish, it's called a, 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 a Kupman, a, a grocery store owner. I think he, he would, if he wasn't doing music, he would be a, 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 brilliant, a brilliant seller of any, any sorts. So he, I think he, and, and it's, it's paired together with uh, him and uh, also his wife, uh, Nana, who is uh, part of the design team called Vass and Hannibal, who has been basically designing all of our record covers for the past 15 years or something like that. So it felt like this kind of, and he loves socks. That's another thing. So it all kind of goes together really well. And socks, I think what what I liked about the idea when he was sort of coming up with it was also that, you know, it's just that it's it's an everyday object that, you know, everybody pretty much all over the world is are in need of socks in some sort of way. And and it's a fun thing to to develop. Plus we found a really lovely uh, factory, a small factory, Strumpfabrik in Sweden, actually in Malmö. It it feels like it's a it's a it's a very you know, um, kind of rewarding uh, experience to to first like kind of design these socks, uh, with with Vess and Hannibal and then you know, sending them to this Strumpfabrik and then they tell us like oh would you have a little bit few too many colors maybe we could do this and this and this and then by the end of it basically sending them out to these you know, fans and, and people that are following us out there and seeing them sending photos of these socks from all over the world. That's, you know, in all kind of shoes and sandals and you know what. So it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very nice, nice thing to be part of also for us. You've talked today about the fact that obviously you're from Denmark, but you've been living in Lisbon, you've spent some time in Brussels. When you are away from your homeland, are there any particular Danish things you miss? Any foods, any places? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I'm in America, I, I miss uh, socialism. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I missed, uh, and ma mainly on behalf of all these uh, all these uh, people from the United States that are uh, without doctor help and so on. And 
you know, struggles in general. I think it's, I think the Scandinavian system in that sense is, is, is quite brilliant. Absolutely. I must admit, even though I grew up in, I, I, I would hope that there would be more countries where it would be possible to do this kind of, uh, have this kind of structure where people don't fall all the way through, you know, get catched a little bit along the way, you know. Yeah. And where the rich are not, uh, you know, where the gap between rich and poor are, are, are not humongous. Um, so that's one thing. And then on a much more <laughs> basic level, uh, I do miss uh, rye bread, uh, you know, the nice Danish rye bread. Uh, oh, I love that. I, I'd, oh, it, luckily now that you can sort of buy it uh, on the way out of Denmark <laughs> and uh, and take it with you. So I usually take that with me from, from a, you know, a bakery or something like that. And yeah, oh, I, I, I also love uh, the, 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 I started to like, and it's something I hated when I was, uh, when I was younger, but like the herring on, on rye bread, you know, the classic Christmas, Christmas, uh, but it's, it's nice. And then with a the little snaps, Something like this really classic smørbrød, like you also know it from, from, from Sweden a little bit, like the open-faced sandwich with some uh, fish on it. and The essentials of any functioning society, socialism and rye bread. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. That's the thing I, I, I miss, this kind of uh, class thing. And then I think also, I mean... I do like uh, Denmark is, is, is a really... If Finland is the land of thousand lakes then Denmark must be the land of a thousand islands I mean it's a it's a very uh, it's full of uh, coast I think it has uh, one of the longest coastlines in Europe actually even though it's such a small country and it's due to all these like small and I I think there's something about being in Denmark that you are always very close to water um, and there's a very there's a, a kind of connectivity with the with the with the sea and and also a little bit the yeah the sea on both sides you have the north sea and of course the baltic sea and and there's something about the air and um, the freshness of that that i that i also if when i was living in berlin for example that i was missing big big time like uh, that there's a freshness to it that i really like i understand i understand and you already mentioned a few artists you're inspired by but are there any particular nordic acts who you would say are your musical inspirations? Well, there's so many. I guess I I I I think it at at the moment there is as a really interesting young scene coming out of Copenhagen. Uh, for example, uh, uh, an artist called Clarissa O'Connell, which I really which I really love. Uh, um, that 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 somehow. I think she has Scottish roots, if I'm not mistaken, and but but lived in Denmark for for in Copenhagen for a while, and 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 so she is. I feel part of a scene that is kind of going on, but like, like like a musicians in the twenties and sort of like making things work. And what and what she's doing is really like, kind of using kind of very traditional instruments like guitar and piano and drums and 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 you know singing and so on but it's just so badass put together that it's sort of it's very cleverly put together in terms of it's not so straightforward music in a way i've always been a big fan of the, the knife for example you know uh, fever ray of course and let's let's see we need someone from norway as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah cover all the bases no, yeah, exactly. no i mean uh, biosphere of course from from norway is a, is a, is a fantastic uh, that whole scene that wasn't in Bergen, I think some that came up from Tromsø down there. I mean, of course, the 
all the uh, Alan Oye and uh, the Kings of Convenience and all of that, they, they all moved. There was a few people around that time, and I forget the names, like an electronic music from there. And we listened a lot to Small Town Super Sound. Of course, Yenival. I love Yenival. Yeah, her uh, new album's great. It's, it's fantastic, yeah. And finally, Casper, do you have any plans to mark the 20th anniversary of Efterklang in some way next year? Wow. Yeah, we haven't even spoken about it now that you mention it. We have forgotten about it. You know the feeling. You know the feeling when you're growing older. <laughs> You've been like, too oh. busy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's say that. I think it's good that you mentioned it, actually, because uh, we don't have any plans and um, we should have a little plan, I think. I do remember... A really nice um, cover from Einstürzen Neubauten from their 20, maybe 20, 25 year anniversary of the of them and their family and kids and friends and one picture with with all these birthday hats on and like popping a champagne and laughing. We should have something like that, too. We should have a, a nice anniversary picture, I think. But uh, we haven't decided where. I'm I'm feeling a party coming on with rye bread and herring. And some commemorative socks at the very least. And free socks for all attendees. That would be, for, of course, very important. Very important. And we will have, at that time, we will have plenty of socks. I think we might have 10 or 12 editions at that time. So we should, we should have enough. And, uh, and uh, I, will, I will, in fact, take that to the band meeting uh, just after I, I'm uh, done with you guys. So I will mention it. We'll, we'll make it brew. Casper <laughs> Clausen, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Melody AM. Um, we're very excited about whatever happens for this 20th anniversary next year. And we're looking forward to hearing more from you in your solo capacity and, of course, after Clang. Thank you. Great pleasure to speak to you, uh, to you both. And, uh, and thank you for tuning in <laughs> to everybody out there. Thank you very much to our guest, Casper Clausen. And a big thank you to Minute Taker, who created our theme tune music for Melody AM. Please do remember to follow us on Instagram. That would be Melody AM Pod. And we'd love it if you could rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and check out our website, melodyam.com, where you can also find artist playlists for all of the artists that we have on a podcast. And until next time, Hardy Bra. Hey, Dor.